A Monty Wigley Christmas fact. The use of the indoor Christmas tree began in the early 17th century in Strasbourg. Another Monty Christmas fact in about five minutes. Welcome to the Wiggly Christmas Show! Oh, I can hear, I can hear our guests just arriving, ready for mince pies. But I'm joined at the moment by Monty and San. Woohoo! Got a joke, Sam? I've got a couple of jokes. Okay. But I know you're not very good at getting jokes, so I'm going to give you a bit of time to think about what could be the punchline. Right. So, the first one. Is it a Sam Christmas conundrum? Why does Father Christmas have three gardens? Um. The second one. <laughs> what hides in the bakery at Christmas? So, OK, Sam, what does hide in the bakery at Christmas? A mince spy. <laughs> <laughs> What a shame, because everyone accuses this podcast of having too much giggling. Oh. And now we've done it again. Okay, oh, Sam, um, why does Father Christmas have three gardens? So as he can ho, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> They're corkers, aren't they? Anyway, this week we had a fantastic wiggly festive frolic for all sorts of folks in Herefordshire, like the, the mayor. mayor. And unfortunately, I called her your mayorfulness, and she looked at me a little bit cross-eyed, and I said, that is correct, isn't it? And she said, no, it's Madam Mayor when you're addressing me. But I did address her correctly in the introduction, which was, let me just find it for you. Where is the how to address the mayor email? So here we are. Here's my how to address the mayor email. For those of you who ever get to address a mayor, never call her your mayorfulness. That's incorrect. When addressing the mayor personally, one must say... Madam Mayor. For introduction purposes, one must say... The right worshipful the mayor of... X. Councillor... XX. Unless you know, you could you know say the name. Of course. Mm. When addressing the mayor's consort personally... Mr. X. For introductory purposes for the Mayor's Consort. The Mayor of X. Consort, Mr. XX. You can see why it's so confusing. It is. Anyway, your mayorfulness, don't do it. She was ever so nice, though. She picked up a lovely handful of worms and she wore her dangly bits. She made a wreath. She made a wreath. We had a make-your-own Christmas wreath. And the mayor made a wreath. What a wonderful night. Mont, it's time for your message from Carol Retmansky. Lovely. Just as you pull the message, here comes Robert and here comes Farmer Phil. Hello all. Won't be a moment. Have a seat. Uh, Mont, read it out, please. Hi. Just to say a big thank you for your excellent products. Once again, you have done yourselves proud. I sent a make-your-own Christmas wreath to a friend who needed cheering up. She made a stunning piece, which made her smile. She put the attached picture on Facebook. You can't see that, but if you go to Facebook, you can see it there. My Christmas centrepiece is just lovely. 
I'm not quite as talented as my friend. Loads of mistletoe arrived, and I hope you don't mind, but after covering my house, I have hung some from the bird table, which not only looks beautiful in my garden, but the birds are enjoying the berries. I recommend you to my friends all the time. A big thank you to everyone who works so hard to make everything you do brilliant. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Yours sincerely, Carolyn Retmansky. Very good. And I thought you'd want to know that some berry seeds, like juniper seeds, grow better after passing through a bird's gut mm. uh, because it removes the natural chemicals that would otherwise prevent the seed from growing. Other berry seeds, like mistletoe, are sticky, and that causes birds lots of frustration um, because it sticks to their bills. The birds wipe their bills on the other trees, and that unwittingly sows more mistletoe plants. And did you know that the dry pith of ivy berries contains nearly as many calories as a Mars bar? No. (laughs) I think it means pound per pound, rather than one berry per Mars bar, because otherwise (laughs) the birds would be like Dawn French, Mm. wouldn't they? I think I'll still stick to Mars bars. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, there we are. The second Monte Christmas fact. In 1841, Albert, the German-born husband of Queen Victoria, first introduced the Christmas tree custom to Great Britain. He had the first decorated Christmas tree set up in Windsor Castle. Uh, You know I've been there, don't you, everyone? You have. You You don't say. You haven't haven't mentioned it. Did I mention that I was introduced to the Queen, did I? (laughs) And the Duke. Okay. Nice to see you, Farm Phil. You've been out early this morning, which is unusual for you. Well, for me, but probably not as early as Rob here. And and Rob has also been out early, and we want to hear all about your adventures, please. Well, Rob has hauled our cattle about for the last 15 years at least, I think. What, the same ones? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yeah, well, because we move the cattle backwards and forwards between here and Hampstead, so it's the cows. Yeah. So the great thing is that they're used to his lorry and him and his boys and all the rest of it, and so it all works quite smoothly. So twice a year, we have either him or one of his lads for a day and swap them all over. So they all come back here to carve. So really, they go, like, on their holiday in the summer? Mm. They go on vacation to Campston. So Wales. Rob is like the easy like jet of the, of the cow world. Yes. Although he doesn't charge like easy jet, I have to say. <laughs> and better the response, I hope. And all the facilities, of course. <laughs> yeah, 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 all the facilities. Can you clean down within half an hour? Because they can. <laughs> <laughs> it all depends. <laughs> it's a busy time of year for you. Yeah, it, very busy right? up till Christmas. Because yeah. all the abattoirs are stocking up with meat, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they're killing they? twice as much to... Take and them I, over Christmas. I gather that they're worried to death that the first sign of snow, that's going to make it all worse. So they Definitely. phone you up and say, right, oh, it doesn't matter what time of day or night it is. We'll receive them. Get it up it? here. Yep. So do people eat lots more beef over Christmas then? Because, I mean, everyone has turkey, um, so... A lot more pork, a lot more beef. I suppose it's because they're home more in the holiday period. Yeah, some abattoirs close down yeah. for a, a week. So what's important when you're trying to haul cattle? Is there lots of legislation or do you have to be really careful? What's lots of legislation. On what do you have to do to comply? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's the easiest way of putting it, everything. Give us an example. Do you have to let them out? Um, no, you have to have them divided in different sections. You have to have lorries clean. You have to have certificates of competence yourself to load stuff. You need to be you, pretty you much switched to, um, on yourself. 
an assurance scheme, a bit like we do as farmers. So yeah, we need to be farmers as well. Wagon. And they're looking to see whether it's up together in, from the animal's point of view, so no worn-out gates, no worn-out floors. The floors have all got checker plate on them, and sheep particularly will wear them smooth over the years. And we were saying earlier on that you have a worn-out lorry, and the cattle are really susceptible to how slippery it is underfoot. And they will not go back on a lorry once they frighten themselves. Yeah, I see. So the it's critical like, it's thing, like walking on ice. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to take, you know, replace the floors, which is expensive. And they're all made of alloy, so the whole thing is a welded alloy construction. And the pens, I think, are a maximum of ten foot by ten foot long. Yeah. And the idea of that is that when he stands on the brakes, you don't have twenty cattle land on one at the front. So you fill a pen because it's much better to have a pen full so they can't move around too much, but you don't want the huge weight rushing forwards when you have to break or go up a hill. Equally, they'll sit on the tailboard. Do they have food, Rob, while they travel along? Um, we've got lorries with water on, yeah. yeah, and that's for over eight hours, if you're travelling for over eight hours. And where are you taking... Where do cattle go to? Where, where we take cattle from Cornwall to Scotland... We take cattle from Pembroke to Yorkshire. We bring sheep from Scotland to Wales to Cornwall, everywhere, from Land's End to John O'Groats. And are you a specialist livestock hauler? I'd say we're a specialist, yeah. yeah. Every livestock hauler is a specialist because it's a world of your own. Is it? Yes. Mm. And what <laughs> skills do you need to do it well? You need a good farming background so you understand livestock. Sort of firm... But yeah, firm, but... No hysteric. You can't, you can't have a hysterical no. lorry driver. Well, actually, hysterical lorry drivers on grain lorries are pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but with stock, it's a nightmare, because they're nervous anyway. Oh, well, Rob, that's not easy, Jet. That's Ryanair. One experience there, and you're spooked forever. <laughs> <laughs> no controversy there. <laughs> Animals yeah. are very sensitive. They sense everything. So the last thing you need is somebody shouting and bawling and chasing them around. And they'll they'll load themselves if they're happy. They'll walk up in there. But if they're not happy, particularly with the older cows, if she decides she's not going in there, there are cows that, broadly speaking, you will never get in there. Yeah. And the trick is to keep them calm enough. It's the, the skills of a stockman. And you need the same skills in an abattoir, interestingly enough, for exactly the same reasons. The blokes who run the lairage at an abattoir have the same skill set. What's lairage? Where the cattle are unloaded into straight off the lorry. And kept. And when you get to the abattoir, do they sense a problem or is it all okay? What's the Some places, yes. What happens then? You have to keep you calm. Yeah. Because they get a bit more awkward and a bit more unsettled. Yeah. Especially a lot of the halal killing places. They sense that. Really? Yeah. What's your theory on that? Um, they can smell blood, blood and I've death. I've never been to a halal abattoir, but a lot of the rule book doesn't exist in a halal abattoir no. because it can't. There's, nothing, no. there's none of that section for it to apply to. Yeah. Which is interesting, mm. but I, I'm interested that you say that. Mm. Very controversial, that, mm, isn't it? It is. Hell <laughs> but that's the way it is. Yeah, that's the way it is, yeah. yeah. But I think a, a normal abattoir, as long as something... It's all concealed off, but yeah. in, a, in a halal... And unless quite... you've got a truly mad animal that's thrown a wobbler and there's mm. a lot of crashing and banging going on, usually they'll walk into there perfectly happily. You could come here and a cow could be here and you could take it to market or wherever 
and just seeing something different, it'll just have a total different look on life then. Yeah, I know the feeling. (laughs) 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 Well, thank you very much for sharing that with us. It's fascinating to see what happens once the cattle have left here, and I know that you've been dealing with them for so many Mm. years that I sense that you've got a certain way with them that I could never have, and I always feel quite envious of people that have that because when I go out to the cows, Farmer Phil looks in that way, slightly <laughs> patronising, um, sad look of failed farmer's wife. Is that fair, Phil? <laughs> well, look, at, look on the upside. At least you don't get roped into moving cattle or parting cattle or whatever else. So when that... I first came to the farm, he used to ask me, and now it doesn't matter if there isn't anyone left, he just does it himself. <laughs> Best thing. <laughs> Thank you very much. Brilliant. Right, I want to share my um, mistletoe facts with you because the thing is, it relies completely on bird poo. Did you know, Sam, that mistletoe is really good for beetles and very rare mistletoe, marble moth. The insect lays its eggs only on mistletoe plants. Really? It looks like bird poo, so it blends in nicely with all the actual bird poo on the trees. It's so rare that it receives targeted conservation work as part of the government's UK Biodiversity Action Plan. I wonder if any of it takes place in Herefordshire. Did you know we've got secretly truffle plantations in Hereford? No. No? Well, I can't tell you where because it's a secret. Tell me and you have to kill me. Absolutely. Mistletoe fact number trillion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only the female plants that grow berries, and so these are the only plants that are harvested. And that means that if you only harvest the female plant, the male plant gets dominant and then the balance has been tipped. So it's always important to harvest non-berried male mistletoe along with female mistletoe. And do you know where I've been this week? I had the time of my life this week. I went to Tenbury Wells Mistletoe Auction. It's the biggest auction of mistletoe in the country. And Nick Champion was in charge. He's the auctioneer. And he had everything he wanted an auctioneer to have on. He had Luciano Willis. He had moleskin trousers. He had a tweed gilet. It was perfect, just what you wanted an auctioneer to look like. Your attention to detail on people's <laughs> outfits is phenomenal. And the place is full of diddies. You included. <laughs> yes. I was there bidding on this, that and the other. And the moment came when he said, and a wrap of mistletoe is going for, it's going for £10, £10, £10, £12, £12, £12, £40. And there was a moment when he threw the hammer down and he said... How many lots on would you like, Heather? Would you like the whole row? And I said, the whole row. And he said, get on. Get on. (laughs) It was so exciting. So you buy the first pack. Yeah, it's called a wrap. Right, a wrap. Which is about, it's a few pounds in weight. You can pick it up, but it's not really heavy. But then you get the chance to buy... The whole lot. Well, you get, the buy, you get the chance to buy the same person's mistletoe. So there's right. probably 100 people have harvested mistletoe. Mm-hmm. It says on lots of people's where it comes from. And so you know then that it's fresh because they bothered to put their name on right. it. And you can tell if it's fresh if the berries are really juicy looking. The best mistletoe is dark green leaves 
with whiter berries. So that's first quality mistletoe. Second quality mistletoe is limey green berries with limey green leaves. But also second quality has been harvested a week or two before. It's okay, less fresh. but it's not as fresh. And there was holly by the ton. So I filled up one whole trailer, which held four cows, so big a trailer. A big stock trailer. And one whole truck up until we had to tie it on. And I had such a great day. It was freezing cold, but it was exciting. It was edgy and the stuff was beautiful. And you just wanted to see it being made into all our lovely wiggly wreaths and mistletoe and, you know, all those Christmas decorations. It was great. A perfect have trip out. It was a perfect have trip out and I had lunch on the way home at the Stockton Cross pub in Kimbolton. Absolutely delicious. The chicken liver pate was to die for. Excellent. And uh, secondly, um, Sam, can you tell us about the Goat Woman Rescue Mission? Well, this is the second rescue mission we've been on now. Mm. So obviously Robbie is up in the Black Mountains Knitting away and dying away. <laughs> Don't exaggerate, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Knitting each one by hand. hand. Spinning the, the goat the hair. The yarn. Yeah. We've had a break in the weather and been able to get up the mountain to collect the second delivery of goat socks. Because it's absolutely deadly up there. It is it... like sheet ice and the only people travelling around have either got tractors and even that they stopped... Or there's an old Land Rover that they use to go up and down the mountain that's got enormous knobbly tyres and it looks like it's had 300 crashes in the last mm. 10 days. It's just completely battered. So, you know, we were worried about Rach going up there in the truck because wow. it's just like a ski slope of ice. And... She did get overexcited the one day. Yeah. And said she was going to give it a go on a quad bike. <laughs> yes. But we had to put our foot down and yeah. say, no. But luckily we've got a friendly farmer who's been up, rescued the socks, and uh, this time Farmer Phil's been and given the, the goats some food, which actually wasn't up to quality. His oh. peon wasn't up to scratch, so it's the harvest. That's the way it is. And I've got a five-star review of goat socks. Oh! It's from Sarah Gaines. There's nothing worse than walking through the snow and not being able to feel your feet. True. But that problem has been solved for me with goat socks. These socks are fabulous. My partner and I are proud owners of two pairs each, and we have ordered more. They are incredibly warm and ideal for walking and working outdoors at this time of year. They wash well and don't fade or shrink, and the funky colours add that little something special. Thank you to the goats for giving up their coats. Smiley face. Oh! It is so true, though. It is. Got yours on, Sam? Yep, I'm supporting today a nice mauve pair. Oh, that's plain. Yeah, well, I had to go for tights underneath the jeans because I'd be working outside and then I couldn't fit my comfort on with my boots. Yeah, here's mine. Camel comfort. Yeah, nothing better than camel comfort. I did actually this morning have a sock bogey. Oh, they're great. Oh, they're great. Oh, yeah, you get you, you put them on and you, you go to pad around and you notice that there's a, lump. there's a lump. And so you get in the bottom of your sock and you fish out a sock bogey. It's and out brilliant. it comes. It's very, very satisfying. Don't you? If you want a goat sock bogey, you need to buy goat socks. Very satisfying, 
pulling out a bogey. Now, the thing is, if you do want goat socks before Christmas, hurry up, because you've only got a couple of days to order, haven't you? Um, but also, please, 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 don't be fussy on the colour. And you can't have long anymore. We've run out. But apart from that, please order quickly. We can get them in the post really, really fast, and we'll be pleased to send your order to you. Please. Please. <laughs> Not that we're pleading, of course. Just please. Yes, just please. Anyway, that's it from us. Join us next week for our really special Christmas festive frolic with Terry Walton, the Radio 2 allotmenteer. Woo! Really special. <laughs> so, have a very, very Merry Christmas from me. Goodbye. And bye from me. Bye from me. Happy Christmas and bye from me. And Merry Christmas from me as well, Rob. 